welcome to our King's Church online service. We are so pleased that you can join us this Easter Sunday morning for part four of Pastor Dave Edwards' message, Never Alone. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Easter morning service where we are going to celebrate that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. What a wonderful, wonderful weekend this is where we remember what Jesus did for us on the cross when he died, taking our punishment, taking our debt upon himself and paying in full for our salvation. And then today we remember the wonderful fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Death could not hold him. He rose victorious out of that tomb to secure our salvation forever. And what a wonderful day this is where we can praise God together. You know, over these last few weeks, we've been looking at a series of messages titled Never Alone. And we've been looking at Psalm 23 in particular. Last week, we looked at Psalm 22 and Psalm 23, where David in Psalm 22 pictures the price that the shepherd paid to secure our salvation by laying his life down. In Psalm 22, David sees the scenes around the cross. A thousand years before Jesus was crucified, David saw the scenes around the cross as Jesus suffered and paid the ultimate price that nobody else could pay. Jesus paid it in full. Jesus finished the work completely set out for him by the Father. He paid it in full and cancelled our debt forever. I think we should give him praise this morning. I think we should give him thanks right where we are in our homes. Let's lift our voice and have that heart of thankfulness before him because he has paid the price in full for our debt that we could never pay. And then also we looked at Psalm 23 where David now sees the wonderful provision that he can have as a result of his shepherd paying the ultimate price for him. He no longer needs to live an impoverished life. He can live in the riches of the provision that's been paid for in full by his shepherd. And every season of life, whether it was a high time or a low time, David knew the shepherding care of his Lord. And he says, I will never ever be in want because of his faithful care over my life. Now we're going to continue on in this series this morning and we're going to see how Jesus paid that price that nobody else could pay for our salvation. And we're also going to see the wonderful rich provision that he has made for us to live in, to enjoy, to experience every single day of our lives. Do you know God does not want our lives to be an inconsistent experience. He wants us to have a consistency of experience in Him that He has provided for. And we're going to see this as we look at God's Word. In a moment, we're going to turn to Romans chapter 4. And in this amazing chapter, Paul is proving that we 
are justified before God. As we place our complete trust in Jesus, as we place our faith in what He has done for us on the cross, we are justified before God. And in Romans chapter 4 verse 25, Paul in one verse captures everything that Jesus has done for us in His death, burial, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. Listen as we read this verse. Listen how Paul encapsulates in one line everything that Jesus has done for us. Romans chapter 4 verse 25 says this, Jesus, who was delivered up because of our offenses, and was raised because of our justification. Let me read that again to you and, and just think about the words that Paul is using and think about how he's encapsulating everything that Jesus has achieved for you and I. Jesus who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Here we see the once and for all payment made by Jesus, the eternal provision given to us as He sacrificed His life on the cross. Now, thousands of years before Paul wrote these words to the church at Rome, Job questioned the Lord by saying in Job chapter 2, uh, Job chapter 9, sorry, verse 2, he's, he questioned God by saying this, how can a man be justified or made righteous before God? How can a man be made righteous or justified before God? You see, Job was well aware, as we are all aware, of our sinful condition. Job was aware of his failure. Job was aware of his sinful history. Job was aware of all of the accusations that would flood his mind, that would condemn him. Job had a history, a sinful history before God, just like you and I. And he questions God in Job chapter 9, verse 2. God, how can I ever be justified before you? How can I ever be made righteous? You're a holy God. We live differently. Our ways are different. We think differently. Our experiences are completely, extremely apart. How can I be justified? How can I be made righteous? And yet here in Romans chapter 4, finally for all time, Paul answers that question. Paul answers the question, how can a man be justified? How can a woman be made righteous before God? 
Paul answers the question by pointing men and women to Jesus Christ, pointing to the fact that he has paid the ultimate price for our sins and he has provided a new life in him before God so that we are justified in the very presence of a holy God. If we question how can we be justified, the answer is found in no other person than Jesus Christ. Now I want us, for the time that we have this morning, to think about this incredible word, justification. And it's a very important word for us to understand. Now sometimes when you read your Bible, I don't know if you're like me, but there are some big words that seem so complicated, difficult to understand because they're not words that we would use every day. However, it's important that we understand these words because they have very important implications for our lives. If we want to truly live in the wonderful blessings that God has provided for us, if we want to have access to all of the wonderful privileges and all of that inheritance that's been laid at our disposal through Christ, it's important that we understand this word and other words like it in the scriptures. Justification. What does this word mean? Well, Paul used this word justification to express God's ultimate verdict over our lives as they are in Christ. The word justification belongs in the courtroom. It's a legal term that deals with legal issues. By using this word, Paul is letting us know that our lives, if they have been placed in Christ Jesus, have been examined, inspected, and judged your life if you are in Christ, if you are a believer in Christ Jesus. I want to tell you today, according to the Word of God and according to Romans chapter 4, verse 25, your life has been examined before God. It's been inspected and judgment over your life has already been undertaken in every respect by God, who is the judge of all the earth. Justification is a forensic term that outlines all of the evidence. All of the evidence about our lives have, has been collected and presented before God. And on the basis of all of the evidence, God, who is supreme in his judgment, delivers his verdict forever. And that verdict over your life, if you are a believer in Christ, is this, justified. Justified, just as if you have never sinned, one person put it. That's what justification means. And I want us, as we look at this word today, to begin to see the very, its meaning and to see the implications for our lives as we place them and as they are in Christ Jesus. 
You are justified, Paul says. Christ Jesus was delivered up for our offenses. He was delivered up for our sins. He was punished. He bore the wrath of God upon himself so that we might not bear it upon our lives. And the consequence of him being delivered up for our sins is that we go free and we are justified forever before a holy God. Imagine for a moment that your life has, all, uh, has already been judged by the God of the universe. Imagine for a moment that a verdict has been pronounced and passed over your life for eternity. That verdict cannot change. Remember the Lord says about himself, the Lord in, in, in revealing who he is declares that I am the Lord, I change not. And what he declares and what he pronounces and what he decrees over our lives is final. The verdict can't be revoked. The judgment cannot be removed. And the verdict is this, you are innocent. That's what justification means. You are innocent. You're not guilty of any charges before God because Christ died for your offenses as Paul cites in Romans chapter 4 and this is what justification means that you're not guilty you're innocent now forever before God Job questioned God how can this be why because he didn't have a revelation that a provision would be made in Christ Jesus. He didn't have a revelation that the ultimate price would be paid by Jesus hanging on the cross for all humanity. But Paul, the other side of the cross, looks back at the suffering, the pain, the provision, and the price that Jesus gave in giving his life. And he says, we are justified, innocent, not guilty any longer. A judgment has been passed over your life, not just for, for the time that we live in this world, but on into eternity. You will forever be able to stand in the presence of a most holy God because of what Jesus has accomplished for you and I on the cross. It's incredible. It's amazing. Romans 3, 24, again, Paul talking about being justified he says this being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus this gift has been given you free of charge now free doesn't mean cheap it cost Jesus everything he had to pay the ultimate price he had to carry the sins of the world upon himself free doesn't mean cheap it cost Jesus everything we can't even imagine what he went through but we've been given it freely you do not have to work for your justification you do not have to try and and merit it no all of the merits of this justification is in what Jesus has achieved for you on the cross we just have to simply believe 
simply believe and then that opens our lives to all of the wonderful blessings and provisions of the good shepherd that he gives to us now justification this word that Paul uses in Romans is a declaration it's a declaration that God makes about you and me regarding our standing before him now there are two aspects to this legal declaration that I want us to think about this morning this legal declaration that God makes over our lives justified has two aspects to it the first aspect is this you are not guilty you are not guilty God declares that you are not guilty you are innocent free from the penalty of sin that's incredible that's amazing that is wonderful you have listen you have no right to feel guilty you have no right before God to be ashamed no right at all God has taken your rights away in respect of being guilty in in respect of being ashamed you've got no right to those feelings anymore you've got no right to depression you've got no right to fear you've got no right to anxiety and worry you have got no right to all of the ailments that plague fallen man you're justified before him you're empowered to live a wonderful brand new life in Christ Jesus that he has paid for he's paid for it in full and I'm telling you now that payment is is wonderful provision for our lives it really is so our our, our, our rights to live a substandard life our our rights to live a, an impoverished life a get-by life have gone Jesus has paid for us to live a wonderful life in him not guilty he says that's the first aspect innocent the penalty of sin is removed you no longer have to fear it you're justified you've been made completely free from any penalty or any debt because Jesus finished his work on the cross and this is the wonderful one of the wonderful aspects of this incredible word we've been justified but there's more there's more there's far more that that comes about in this word as we study it because not only does God remove our guilt not only does he pronounce that we are innocent not only does he take away all of the penalties that would do us he also pronounces us righteous after an exact inspection of our lives God says that we are completely acquitted of all wrong before him and this is what Paul pronounced we are righteous before God this is one of the one of the elements one of the aspects of being justified that we can enjoy Paul declares 
as do other New Testament writers, that our lives have received a judicial sentence absolving us from all guilt, making us innocent before God and completely righteous. And not a righteousness of our own, but the very righteousness of God. This is incredible. This is amazing. We have the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, what's the time scale of this justification? When we're justified, do we become justified over a period of years? Is it after God's observed our faithfulness? After God's seen that we're well-behaved and we're obeying and we're doing what He wants us to do? No. The Bible says that our justification is immediate and instantaneous. It's applied to our lives the moment that we place our faith and our trust in what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. Romans 5 verse 1 shows us this very clearly. It says this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You are justified not by good behavior, not by your spiritual disciplines. Nothing wrong with those things. But let's, let's make it very clear. We are justified by faith and faith alone. The moment that we place our faith in Jesus, a verdict, a sentence is passed. Judgment is made by a holy God. And when he sees that we trust in Christ alone, he pronounces once and forever that we are justified. We are innocent. We are free of any penalty of sin. And we are made righteous in his sight. That's incredible. It's absolutely amazing. And what a cause to rejoice in what Jesus has done for us. Now, the obvious question that, that comes up when we declare that we are justified by our faith in Christ is how? How is this possible? How can a God who cannot lie pronounce me a sinner innocent? And more than that, how can he declare me to be righteous when it's more than obvious that I'm not? How? When looking at my history of failure and sin and disobedience, how can a holy God pronounce Dave Edwards innocent, free from guilt and shame, free from the penalty of sin, and not only that, pronounce me righteous. How can God do that? This has been the question, the long-standing question in every age, in every human heart. Well, the answer is found in another very important word. And it's, a, it's another 
big word that we don't use every day, but it's a very important word that we understand because this, this word helps us to understand why God can pronounce us to be righteous. And it's the word imputation. We're learning some big words this morning, church. Justif justification by faith. Now we're looking at imputation. And it, it goes alongside and with this word. Justification. Imputation is another amazing word. And it's important that we understand it because it answers our questions as to why we can be righteous and, and why we can have the very righteousness of God in our lives. It occurs in Romans 4, 11 times. That's how important this word imputation is. You might recognize it. In other words, like counted, accounted, reckoned, and credited. All of these words are similarly translated and related to this word imputation. So for us to understand the full meaning of this word imputation, we need to know its context and its literal meaning. If justification is the term that's taken from the law courts, this word imputation is taken from the world of accountancy. It's a mathematical term to impute. Now there's a, an amazing story in the Bible that really illustrates this word imputation really well. And it's it's in the book of Philemon. And Philemon is a letter that was written by Paul to his friend, actually Philemon. It's just one chapter long. And in this letter, Paul talks to his friend and he, he's in prison as he's writing this. And he begins to talk to Philemon about his runaway slave called Onesimus. And Onesimus is in prison with Paul. And Paul had actually led him to Christ. And now Paul was sending Onesimus back to Philemon, his master, and asking Philemon to forgive him. And then Paul says this, if Onesimus owes you anything as a result of running away from you. Please, I want to pay his debt in full. In verse 18 of Philemon, Paul says this to um, Philemon about Onesimus. He says, if he owes you anything, charge it to my account. And that's exactly what imputation is all about. It's about taking the debt of another and having it charged to you. That's what Paul was doing for Onesimus when he wrote to Philemon. He's saying, Philemon, listen, don't, don't hold this, this slave over his debt. Don't get him to repay it. 
Don't punish him for what he's done. He's run away from you. But please, don't punish him. Charge all of his debt to my account. That's what imputation is all about. And this is just a pale comparison, really, to what Jesus has done for us on the cross. This is what happened. Jesus paid our debt in full. It was charged to his account. He paid the penalty for us. And we talked last week about the wonderful exchange that takes place when we place our faith in Christ Jesus. He was punished for our sins so that we could be wonderfully provided for with salvation so free and so full. And this is the wonderful provision of this word imputation because the Father puts my account, my bankrupt bankrupt account of life and he imputes it to Christ and he takes all of my debt, all of my sin and he places it into Christ's account. Remember Jesus said, I became poor so that you might become rich. What was he saying? He was saying, he, he was saying that all of my riches will be imputed over to you. All of my, all of my wealth, all of my life is going to be imputed, transferred, invested into your account and all of your poverty of life is going to be imputed and transferred over into my account. This is the wonderful blessing of this word imputation and Paul uses it 11 times in Romans chapter 11 to show us that that the wonderful exchange has taken place in Christ Jesus. Our sin was imputed to Christ. His righteousness, the very righteousness of God has been imputed to us. And that's the incredible, incredible thing about it. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, we know this scripture well. It's an incredible verse. Again, Paul is talking about imputation. Here, Paul is talking about a transfer of wealth and a transfer of debt. A transfer of our debt to Christ, a transfer of Christ's wealth to us. Romans Uh, Sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He says this, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. If you look at your spiritual account today, you will see that you are rich beyond measure. You are rich beyond imagination. Why? Because everything that Christ has provided has been imputed to your account and to my account. It's absolutely incredible. All of the attributes of Jesus have now been credited to our personal account. And we can live in Him so freely and so provided for. 
As we close today, let me read to you from Romans chapter 8, verse 31 to verse 35. Paul is dealing with some amazing things in this chapter. And he's talking about justification. He's talking about that the fact that we'll never be alone, we'll never be separated. There will not be a moment in our lives where we ever sense separation from God ever again. You are provided for child of God because of the price that Jesus Christ has paid. Listen to what he says, starting at verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us and he's for you because you're justified, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how will he not with him freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Paul is asking a question in these verses. He's saying, if God is for us, who can be against us? There's not a charge that can stand in God's presence. There is not an accusation that can have any kind of credence any kind of weight against your life in the presence of God. According to the revelation of God's Word, you are justified by faith freely. You are not guilty. You are pardoned. You are innocent. Judgment and, and sentence has been passed over your life forever. You are free, child of God, to stand in the presence of a holy God. And now, no longer is the question, how can a man be justified? How can a man be made righteous before God? The answer, there is no question. The answer has been answered for all time and eternity in what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. We are forgiven. We are set free because His work on the cross is completely finished. Never separated from God. God is for you. He's not against you. All things are yours because Christ Jesus has been given. No charge can stand. Who, Paul says, may be questioning. It's, a, it's an all-encompassing question. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Maybe the question goes into heaven. Who in heaven, in all of heaven, with all of its perfection, can bring a charge against God's elect? No charge can be laid against your life forever. 
because of the final work that Jesus has done for us. You can't be condemned. You can't even bring a charge against your own life. You're forgiven. Christ has died and furthermore has risen from the dead. You're innocent. You've been made righteous. And that righteousness has been imputed to you. Your debt has been cancelled, wiped out forever. It's not a repayment system. You don't have to pay God back because he's bailed you out, because he's bailed me out. No, it's complete debt cancellation forever. Your sin, your debt has been wiped out forever. This is imputed righteousness. You have the very righteousness of God because of what Jesus has done on the cross. Child of God, these are the wonderful, wonderful provisions that have been provided for you and I. Let there not be another wasted day where we feel guilty. Let there not be another wasted moment where we feel downcast about decisions that we've made, wrong decisions, mistakes, sins. No, we have an advocate in heaven that speaks of better things. The fact that we are justified, the fact that we are innocent. You can walk boldly into the throne of grace to obtain mercy in, in any time of need. Why? Because you have access. You have access. And Paul in the book of Ephesians not only tells us that we have access, he tells us that we are accepted in the beloved. You're accepted because you are justified, you are righteous, and you can walk into the very presence of God, into the holiest place of all, and fear no retribution, fear no wrath. But you'll find a smile on his face and joy in his heart, fullness of joy in his presence for you to be enveloped by and treasures at his right hand forevermore. We're acquitted, forgiven, justified forever. And child of God, let us live in the fullness of this. Let us enjoy and relish this provision. No matter what season we go through, we know that the externals around us in the world in which we live are changing all the time. But we serve a God that never changes. Jesus says, the Hebrew writer talking about Jesus in Hebrews chapter 13 says, He is the same yesterday, today, yes, and forever. And I tell you something now, I rejoice in the fact that He never changes. He's never hot or cold. He's never disappointed with us. He loves us and nothing can separate us from that love. Well, this morning, church, I hope that God's Word has been a blessing to you. I really do pray that it will take root in all of our hearts because very often, and I'm talking about my own life here, I feel so inconsistent in my experience, in my walk. 
and sometimes, you know, you're up and sometimes you're down. No, God wants us to experience in these days the joy of his salvation, the rivers of joy that we can access in the provision that he's made for us in Christ Jesus. Let's go from today believing and accepting the fact that we are accepted in the beloved, accepting the fact that we are justified and made righteous in his sight. Amen. I pray that God's word has blessed you. And listen, why don't you just read Romans chapter 4, verse 25 again and read and reread scriptures like Psalm 22, Isaiah 53, and others that declare the price, the amazing price that, that has been paid for you and the wonderful provision that is given as a result of that price that's been paid. Right now, I'm just going to break bread and I want to invite you to break bread with me here and now. I'm just going to take this little wafer and when we eat this bread or eat the, the wafer, we are remembering that his body was broken for us. And as we take it, we remember the sacrifice that Jesus gave in laying down his life for the whole sin of the world so that we would not have to be judged, so that we might go free. He became poor so that we might become rich. Let's just receive this right now. We thank you, Jesus, for your broken body. We thank you, Jesus, today that you were judged for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for finishing the work. And we do this in remembrance of you today. Lord, I pray for your people. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would give us peace in our hearts and that we would live and enjoy this rich provision of life that you have paid for and given your life for. Also, let's take the juice today. And by drinking this, we remember that Jesus' blood was shed for us on the cross. He shed his blood so that we might be forgiven of all of our sins. It's his blood that cleanses us from all sins and makes us righteous in his sight. This is the new covenant of his grace. Let's drink together. Lord Jesus, thank you. I pray that if anybody is feeling guilty today, if anybody is feeling ashamed, if anybody is feeling downcast in their hearts, we've all had days like that, Lord. We've all had days where we felt low, where we felt ashamed, where we felt saddened by the sins that we've committed. All of us have had times like that. Lord, I pray that you would lift up that, lift off that burden of sin and guilt and shame that it would go right now in Jesus name and your people would 
experience your wonderful peace and your wonderful loving arms around them and that they would know that they are never alone in Jesus' name. Well, church, just want to say we love you so much. We're missing you. I am missing you. I mean, I'm in this auditorium preaching on my own. But um, listen, we are missing you so much. And uh, let's continue to pray for our land and our government, especially our prime minister, for his full recovery. Let's keep praying for him. And I am so excited for, for when things get back to normal and we can meet together and fellowship together. That's going to be an incredible morning. But listen, for today, God bless you. Have a great week ahead. And let's just keep thanking God for what he has done for us in Christ Jesus, in his death burial, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. To help us stay connected at this time, why not head over to our website, kings-church.org.uk. Here, you can drop us a line sharing any prayer requests or testimonies, and you can choose to give online too. If you've made a decision for Jesus and would like us to get in touch, we'd be delighted to hear from you. Thank you for tuning in. We look forward to seeing you again very soon.